0: I want to start by sharing with you um, that, uh, wow, I'm going to pray for a minute. Holy Spirit, we give you full access to our hearts because you're the one that knows. You're the one who knows. You know us, you know what we need. You know how to get us to where we need to go. Mostly, you know how to draw us into the Father's heart, into the tenderness of Jesus himself. And so we're giving you permission to do so, in Jesus' name, amen. A few days ago, I was in the middle of um, sleeping and awake in that Zone before I was fully awake. Before while I wasn't still fully sleeping, and there are certain times right right in that spot where the Lord will speak things very clearly to my heart, to my spirit. And in in this particular case, there were two things He was telling me. Um, the first was to love. He was telling me to love myself. Um, now. For starters, some of you might be thinking, "Well, that that might be an odd thing for him to tell me because doesn't Pastor Brent love himself? I mean, I thought I did, but the Lord the Lord has His reasons. Um, and anything we think we get, by the way, there's always levels and levels of depths of getting it much more. And He was letting me know, I, I, first for me personally, and then for for His kids. I, I want my kids to love themselves. I want them to love themselves with my love. I want them to love themselves as much as I love them. So that was one thing. The other was I was, again, in this half-awake, half-sleep state, waking up with day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night... Night and day, let incense arise. One more time. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. And I was hearing that over and over and over again. Sierra just sang it last Saturday. And... But this was a couple days later. It wasn't like the next morning, but obviously something dropped in deeper into my spirit. Probably partly because of we sang it that night, and it went in deeper. And then through the day, I kept hearing that chorus over and over. And and sure enough, yesterday I was part of a a worship prayer team that went over and prayed for a prayer summit uh, that Pat Chen put on in the House of Prayer. IHOP team was there, Cindy Beattie and others. And sure enough, what are they singing? day and night night and day god has his way of when he wants to tell you something he will tell you a bunch until you get it so those were the two things now that they, they, may, they may not seem like there's a much of a correlation i'm going to show you by the end that there absolutely is a correlation there and um and i'll even give reference to where that scripture's coming from and all that but i want to start with the with the love part about loving yourself This came so, so strong to me. And so I want to tell you right now, tonight, it's time to love yourself. I've told you in the last few weeks how much we've been enjoying more and more freedom of really allowing the Holy Spirit to move these evenings however he wants. And I told the Lord after I prepared this today, I mean, you know, when I did the slides for it, I said, Lord, now that I'm done, There you go. It's back to you. If we don't ever get to this, I'm good with that. But I also felt that his heart was really deeply wanting me to share. I didn't know whether I was going to have five minutes to share it or 30 minutes. That I didn't know. But he wants us. He says it's time to love yourself. Um, Let me go to a, a scripture verse that all of you probably know very well. Uh, actually, it's several scriptures that say the same thing: to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, it's found in Mark twelve thirty-one and in several in, in other Gospels as well. Uh, Paul re-mentions it in Romans thirteen eight to ten and Galatians five fourteen. The context: of what he's saying is, if you if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're actually fulfilling all of the laws. Uh, James mentions it again in James two eight. Now, what's fascinating that I want to show you something because sometimes we look at this as two commands. We look at it as love your neighbor and love yourself. That those are two kind of equal commands. Um, that actually isn't the context of of the of the Greek wording in this. That that as or like that like or as how it's used in scripture is that second part is supposed to be the norm or um, the standard. In other words, they're going to compare it to something. Well, I want you to love your neighbor. How? Well, as you like you love yourself. This is the norm. This is the way it's supposed to be. This deep love you have for yourself, but we got a problem because that's not where most of us park it. And with this deep love for ourselves, it's the same. It's the same way when it says that Jesus healed a man's hand. This is in Matthew twelve thirteen, making it whole like the other one, as the other one is. This is the standard, the norm. Jesus made this one that wasn't right. He turned it into looking like this hand. Um, another place, Matthew seventeen, two says Jesus' face shone like the sun. So there's the picture, the norm, the sun. Now we know what Jesus' face shone like. That's what this scripture is saying. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, in in Ephesians 5.29, um, Paul, Paul says, when he's talking about husbands, take care of your wives, love your wives, he uses that same thing he says, and he says, As you love your own self, as you take care of your own body, I want you to love your wife we're getting at a really core reason why we have so much problems relationally. Are you getting it? Unless we love ourselves as the Lord loves us, we cannot love others the way we want to, the way we know we're born to. So we got to get this one. It It makes all the difference in the world. I can't love Suzanne the way I really want to and cherish her the way I really want to, unless I love myself with a deep, deep love. And so all week this week, later on, by the way, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do the same, but all week this week I was, I was after the Lord gave me this download. I, I I said, I kept saying to myself, I love myself. I love myself with your love. I love myself with your love. I would say it often. And again, at first thought, we've all been so conditioned, you know, don't be prideful, don't be arrogant. I'll I'll touch on that later. But there's that thing in us that says something about this isn't quite right, doesn't feel quite right. Seems like I'm too self-absorbed. And and God says, well, really, actually, you need to be me-absorbed so that you can love yourself the way I love you. But that isn't self-absorption to to actually celebrate yourself and love yourself the way he does. It's it's truly what he wants. Again, that's supposed to be the norm. Um, I want to r- read something to you. I came across an amazing blog today. Um, it's it's by a guy named Dan Pierce who I'd never heard of before. I just I was actually looking for. Um, Loving your neighbor as yourself. I was looking at some things and ran across this, and it it deeply impacted me. Um, and so I want to share it with you, but first to give it a little bit of context. The title of it is Love Your Neighbor as Yourself. No thanks. And as I can, you can probably imagine where we're going, where he's going to go with this. I I do believe from some of his posts that he's a believer or else... Um, I, I believe he's a believer. I don't know how strong a believer he is. But he's really wrestling with this whole thing because he believes the things that Jesus says. It's just that um, when we take Jesus at his word, he's saying, well, that doesn't work because I know how I love myself, which is that I don't. And so it shows up in my relationships to others. It's what... Remember when Leif Hetland was here... He said, he said, every sin issue is a love deficit issue. See, now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Every sin issue, any, any time you do things that make you feel lousy about yourself or make that hurt other people or that just aren't your real self in Christ. Every time there's a love deficit issue going on, there's something in your heart Love isn't filling it up. And so you're acting in a way that's other than a totally loved person would act and, and be. And, and and Leif also said that every kingdom matter is a matter of the heart. So a lot of times we're trying to externally change ourselves for God. He says, how about you just let me deal with your heart? And, and, and the rest will flow out from there. The good stuff will flow forth. So let me just read. This is just a, a, some portions of this. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. I want to say ahead of time, I am not reading this. There's no condemnation and no shame in Christ. You're, you're all loved. You are free. You're his. You belong to him. This is going to challenge you because, because he's going to get really real. Remember a couple of weeks ago we showed the Brene Brown uh, video about vulnerability and how that actually leads us to be a lot closer to each other once we're finally real and stop putting up the veneer. And that's what this guy did, is he came to a crisis in his life, realized the mess he'd made of things, and started writing this post. So here it is. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, come on, love your neighbor as yourself? Um, No, thank you. You see, I loved my first wife as myself. I looked for fault in her. I looked for sneakiness and ambiguity in almost everything she did. I suspected her of insincerity and deceitfulness. I believed her intentions were most often malicious, far too direct, and purposefully hurtful. And without the slightest bit of uncertainty, I knew she had never really loved me, didn't truly love me, and never would actually love me. Because of that, I anticipated the worst from her. I expected to be hurt. I expected contention. I expected repugnance. I expected disdain. I resented her. I disliked her. I begrudged her. And throughout our entire marriage, I reviled her more often than not. I wanted our marriage to end. I wanted out. I loved my second wife as myself as well. I looked for incompatibility with her. I kept watch for inconsistency in what she did and in everything she said. I looked for any and all weaknesses, and I was quick to help her see it whenever I could find it, which was far too often. I kept vigilant watch for her to regret her marriage vows to me. I looked for her to mourn the loss of her life without me. I looked for her to become acrimonious about how quickly we met and how quickly our relationship intensified. I sat with bated breath, waiting for her to admit that I was nothing more— than an unhealthy ricochet of a relationship for her and for myself. And without the slightest bit of uncertainty, I knew she had never really loved me, didn't truly love me, and never would actually love me. Because of that, I anticipated the worst from her. I expected to be hurt. I expected contention. I expected repugnance. I expected disdain. I resented her. I disliked her. I begrudged her. And throughout our entire marriage, I disliked her more often than not. I wanted our marriage to end. I wanted out. That first marriage eventually ended. So did the second. And get this throughout both marriages, I thought I was a powerful beacon of a human being. I actually believed that I was an incredible person. I just knew that I was so much better than just about every other person that surrounded me. I was the guy who was loving and kind to his wife. I was the guy who brought her flowers and constantly and publicly declared my love and admiration for her. I was the guy who had it all together. I was the rock. My first marriage ending wasn't my fault. It couldn't be. My second marriage ending definitely wasn't my fault. In fact, I was so convinced of it, I'd look God himself in the eyes and tell him so. That's how blind I was to my own buried, secret, self-loathing behaviors. And while the demise of my marriages weren't my fault nothing else was seemingly my fault either sigh I had always wanted sorry i had always loved my friends and family members as myself it wasn't my fault that most of my relationships were so fragile that the slightest draft could disembowel them I secretly knew that most of my friends were only true friends when it was convenient or when they needed help with something I was able to see the ways in which they would use me for my time, my success, my house, or my money. I could easily see the friends that that were threats to my wife's devotion and faithfulness to me. I had lots of fun with them all, sure, but when they weren't in my presence, I knew that many of them gossiped or talked about me just the same as I was doing to them. Sure than firewater, I knew I was the detrimental and unhealthy friend to all of them. I knew they were always talking about it when we weren't together always thinking about it when we were. I was the fat one. I was the guy who slowed everybody else down or ruined what could have been way more incredible and more fun because I was too big and fat to make my way up a cliff face, too fearful to take my shirt off at the lake, or too insecure to extend our social ring to include other outsiders. When it came to my family, I knew that most of my family members only loved me if I lived exactly how they wanted me to live. I knew that they were constantly judging me. I knew that they were all only happy on the surface. I knew that they were insincere in their statements of love for me, no matter what they said or how often they said it. My relationships with family members were rarely strong. And sadly, I've had far too many friendships disappear over the years. And get this, throughout it all, I thought I was the friend who was always there. I actually believed I was the friend who held all the other friends together. I just knew I was the friend who would always take the high road. I was the friend who would always have great advice. I was the example. I was the rock. I was the family member who did the most. I was the family member who always was there for his siblings. I was the son who was strong in the church and who never needed help. I was the dependable one, the trustworthy one, the unstoppable one, the honest one, the dependent one. I was the rock. No, my weak family relationships weren't my fault. My friendships that ended weren't my fault either. I would have sworn it on my sister's grave. That's how sincerely I believed it. And work? I loved my colleagues, my employees, and my superiors as myself, too. I looked for their dishonesty. I looked for their laziness. I looked for ways that they were surely skirting their duty or taking indolent shortcuts. I knew that everybody was loving and kind on the outside, yet odious and backbiting when I wasn't there. I knew that people were slandering me behind closed doors, discrediting all my successes to one another, and belittling all of my talents. I knew that there wasn't a single person who believed I had earned what I had, that I was worthy to have what I had, and who actually respected and loved me as a professional or as a friend. I lost some good employees over the years. I fired some good employees over the years. Some of them shouldn't have been fired. Few of them should have been lost. And get this. Through it all, I was certain that I was the employee, the boss, and the colleague who was always so dependable, always had the best ideas, always was the most beloved of anybody. I knew what everybody else needed. I was adamant about what it would bring success to every person that surrounded me, and I always made it happen. I was the rock. All the problems I had over the years, not one of them was ever my fault. All of the bad relationships with those who surrounded me, it was because of their insecurities, their resentment, and their crappy attitudes, their weaknesses, their life problems, never mine. It was never me. It was always them. No matter what was happening in my life, it was always somebody else. And at the age of 30, this incredible, awesome, talented Perfect human being found himself sitting, crying, sobbing in a dark corner one day, alone, completely, horribly, devastatingly alone, wanting to disappear, wanting to die, wanting to give up on everybody and everything. And all because over the progression of a lifetime, I had chosen to love others as myself. This is why I knew I had to read this to you. I'm not, I'm not done yet, but I want to cry every time I read this. Um, not because God's wanting to depress us. It's because his heart for us is so huge. And he's saying, to my children, if you would just get this, so much of life would be so different if you, would, if you would learn to love yourself. Love others as yourself. Everything I was looking for and seeing in my first wife, it was all me. It was all what I saw in myself. It was the only way I loved and felt about myself. It was was the way I loved and felt about myself. Deep down, I can't deny that anymore. I knew I had so much fault, so I looked for fault in her. I knew I was sometimes sneaky and ambiguous, so I looked for the same in her. I knew I was often insincere. I knew I was sometimes deceitful. I knew I, I was at times malicious and purposefully, passively hurtful, So I looked for it coming from her. I knew I didn't love her the way I should and never loved her the way I should and probably never would love her the way I should. So I assumed the same from her. I loathed her because I loathed myself. I grew tired of our marriage because I grew tired of having such an ugly mirror being held up to me. I wanted it to end. And so one day it did. My second wife got the second dollop of the love that I had for myself. I was inconsistent in my reactions and feelings for her. I felt weak and inept in my role in our relationship. I regretted our marriage and resented myself for not dating her longer. It was I who was mourning the loss of my life without her, not the other way around. I knew I didn't love her the way I should, had never loved her the way I should, and probably never would love her the way I should, so I assumed the same from her. I loathed her because I loathed myself. I grew weary of marriage because I grew weary of having such an ugly mirror being held up to me. I wanted it to end, and so, one day, it did. Every single thing I found wrong with my friends was always something that I, deep down, found wrong with myself. Every single thing I found wrong with my family, the same. Every single issue I had with my employees, colleagues, and employers was always an issue I had with myself. I just never could see it. And when I could, I certainly could never admit it. There was no way I could concede to such a radical concept. Not to any of the people in my life. And certainly not to myself. Never to myself. Crap. Actually, he uses another expletive there. I didn't love myself. I had never loved myself. In fact, I had always reviled and absolutely hated myself, as much as I didn't want it to be true, and as much as I danced through time with a freakishly happy expression to cover up the truth. Such an actuality was the only rock solid thing I had in my life, and it destroyed my life. Loving others the way I loved myself destroyed my life. And it was in that final moment when destruction had officially had her way with me that I started this blog. And that is why I have written so much of what I've written. So many of the things that have been shared here, so much of the journey to figure out what love and my role in it actually is. And so when I hear the mandate, love your neighbor as you, as you love yourself, I have to pause for a moment and reflect on the cogency of that statement. Because the truth is, there are a lot of people in this world who don't love themselves. Not truly. There are a lot of people in this world who are disgusted by themselves. There are a lot of people in this world who live lives that revolve around past mistakes and past regrets and past hurts. In fact, there are a lot of people in this world who flat out hate themselves. They hate the way they look. They hate the way they feel. They hate the way they think. They hate who they are now and they hate who they have shown themselves to be in years or decades preceding. Many of them are the same as I was, deceived, apparently happy, deep down miserable. Yes, there are some amazing people who don't have insecurities. There are some amazing people who don't dislike themselves, hate themselves, or live their lives regretting the past. There are some amazing people who are genuinely happy. But I truly believe that there are a lot more people who do, not, who do struggle with it. Most of them just don't really know it. They disguise it to the world, and even more tragically, they disguise it to themselves, and they disguise it to those to whom they are closest. As I've worked these past 16 months to unravel the unsightly tapestry that was on my messy self, I've come to understand just how much of the societal and mental refuse that goes on in this world is a result of people reacting to their own insecurities and their own self-loathing thoughts. Every time I've spoken or heard hateful words about another, every time I've spoken or heard destructive gossip, every time I've spoken or heard slander and insult and slur, It is always 100% of the time, 100% because some of some insecurity or self-loathing core belief. Why? Here we get into the punchline. Okay. Because sane and rational people who love themselves don't hurt other people. Sane and rational people who truly love themselves never hurt other people, not on purpose. They don't slander other people. They don't bully other people. They don't look for fault or ugliness in other people. They don't look for anybody who's to anything or not to anything. Of this, I have never been more certain. This is the number one most concrete realization I've come to since my life fell completely apart. People who love themselves don't hurt other people. Not on purpose. Ever. They have no need to hurt other people. They have no need to bully others. They have no need to feel better than or superior to others. Love your neighbors as yourself. It's a scary thought. A real scary thought, to me anyway. What the directive should probably be is love yourself and then love your neighbor as yourself. Or better yet, just love yourself. Maybe in our own path to learn what love for others is, we are eventually forced to learn how to love ourselves. One cannot exist without the other. One will never exist without the other. I promise you that. And he signs it. Love y'all. Dan Pierce, single dad laughing. Pretty deep. And when I read that again now, as I read it this today, every time I want to cry. And it's not a bad cry, it's a good cry. It's, it's the Lord's heart. His heart is breaking for his kids. So the author of love himself, who made every single one of you in his image. You're made by love, for love, through love to the essence of your being, you are love because you're made in his image and God is love. That's in the book of 1 John. I'm not stretching things here. You are love. You are made in love for love, for the purpose of love. So by not, by starting out not loving yourself, the whole thing's breaking down and it's, and it's crushing God's heart, not, not because he's mad or angry at you, but because he has something so much better for all of his kids. He says, I made you to be lovers to the core of your being. But it has to start, it has to start with loving yourself. <sighs> Remember this um, from Brene Brown? I'm just going to show you like 30 seconds of Brene Brown from a couple weeks ago. Is that If I roughly took the people I interviewed and divided them into people who really have a sense of worthiness, that's what this comes down to, a sense of worthiness. They have a strong sense of love and belonging, and folks who struggle for it, and folks who are always wondering if they're good enough. There was only one variable that separated the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging, and the people who really struggle for it, and that was the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe they're worthy of love and belonging. That's it. That's it. So in other words, those who experience love and acceptance and those who are living that kind of a life that we're born for, it's because they actually believe it. It's because they believe that the father, our father loves us as his kids. We're lovable to the core of our being. They actually believe it. Now I do understand that's a process. So even this isn't beat yourself up time. That's not going to actually help you one bit. That's going to go right back to not loving yourself. Do you see the vicious cycle here? Like, how do you get out of this thing? There is there is a way out. You got to look up, actually in, because he lives in you. But he's the one that's going to change this in you. Um, Song of Songs six three says, "I am my beloved's and he is mine." There's all kinds of love imagery in the in, in the book of Song of Songs, and guess what? It's for you. All that love imagery is for you. You are his beloved. I am my beloved's and he is mine. You belong to each other. Now, have you ever thought about this? I have to be nice to his beloved. You are his beloved. You have to be nice to yourself. I'm telling you, if someone's going to be mean to my honey, better watch out. can That's not okay with me. And And the Lord says the same to you. Even, even to you about yourself. He says, like that's not okay with me for you to beat yourself up. It's not okay with me for you to hate yourself. You're, you're messing with my beloved. See, his, his love is jealous. It's a jealous love. Some of you are thinking, I thought jealousy wasn't good. Oh, no, there's a good jealousy. There's good jealousy and there's bad jealousy. It's true of a lot of things in life. But he's got a good, jealous love for you. Nobody's messing with my son, my daughter, my beloved. This one belongs to me. You want to mess with them? You're going to mess with me. But that actually works for you. That's for yourself, too. It says, don't, don't, don't tear yourself down. Don't do it. Because that's my beloved. so it ought to look something like this when we really start getting it. Isn't that awesome? That's on YouTube. It's got a couple million hits. There's a reason why. In 30 seconds time, people go, there's something that's waking up in you. Because you were that kid. There was a time. There was a time. I'm, I'm just declaring it. Even if it was, I don't know, back to the womb. There was a time. Back in the father's arms before the womb, there was a time when you actually liked yourself and loved yourself. Before some of that got ripped away. That's, that's, that is so okay right there. In fact, interestingly, I've seen some other YouTubes of that same girl as a teenager. She's not this. She's not an arrogant person. She's actually pretty humble and fairly shy. You know, doesn't even like all the attention of this video, even though she's fine with it. But but the whole point being that um, that didn't make her grow up to be an arrogant person. She just knows who she is. She just likes who she is. It's okay for you to like who you are. Do you like you? to make you answer that. <laughs> I just be honest. Thank you. Yeah, that really wasn't honestly that wasn't me saying I'm going to wait till y'all say yes. It was like, no, I really you really need to wrestle with that one. Y- you know, to love yourself. Well, okay, I'll love myself cuz God says I have to. <laughs> but I don't like myself. No, you you missed the whole point. You do you love, Do you celebrate yourself? So again, I said, you know, but Pastor Brent, I don't want to be arrogant or prideful. Um, you know, you know, Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before a fall. Yeah, that's right. But let me let me just remind you of something that, when you believe something about yourself when you believe you even what you think over what God thinks, that's pride. Really. Honestly, um, arrogant people, I'm not judging anybody, I'm just in a nice general way, I'm saying arrogant people do not love themselves. That's why they're putting on a show, a, a something, a veneer. They hate themselves. So if I can put on something that looks really good and make everybody believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So that's not the problem. Pride is saying, "God, what you say is is what I believe um, about myself." And check this out. I'm going to write. I'm going to write. Read this because I just think it's that good. <laughs> Reading my own notes. The opinion. <laughs> the opinion of the listen to this the opinion of the most significant person in your life just think about whoever that person is your spouse a good friend whoever a parent whoever the opinion of the most significant person in your life is at best a distant third in importance what god thinks about you is the only source of Pure truth there is. What you think about yourself when you begin aligning your opinion with God's will set you free like nothing else can. And what others think of you, well, that may or may not match up with truth. If it doesn't, then you have a choice to believe what God says and not listen to the bad report. That's your choice. And a lot of us are not only concerned or agonizing over what significant people think of us, a lot of us are concerned and agonizing about what very insignificant people in our lives are thinking about us. It's amazing how much credence we give to that. It is a good word. We're going to sing. Can you agree with this? All right. There's actually a lot more to the song, but I just wanted you to sing it for a minute. You are beautiful in every single way. That was uh, Christina Aguilera, just to give credit where credit's due. Um, That's your choice, though. That's a cool song to sing, but it's only true if you make it true. Because you actually care more about what the lover of your soul thinks, the one who's gazing on you and smiling at you, than you do about what other people think. So, you have God's permission... You have God's permission to love yourself. This is what most children, I'll just say most healthy children in a healthy environment, this is what they will do when they start getting used to their own reflection and realize, oh my gosh, that's me. And yeah, I like that, Donna. I like me, I love me. And what, what, what which one of us would go up to that child and say, "You bad little boy little girl, you can't love yourself?" That's, see, do you see how ridiculous that is? You have God's permission, not only God's permission, but He implores you, He <laughs> please love yourself like I love you." Art said, (laughs) that's the mirror translation of the Bible, which is absolutely true. Because let me get, let me get, let me cut right to the heart for a second. If you don't love yourself and you're made in the image of God, of Jesus, who made all things, who are you not loving? Now, this isn't a guilt thing. Don't go, oh, crud, now I don't even love God. (laughs) That's not going to help you out. So let's flip that around and say, the more you can love God, one of the reasons why we spend so much time in worship, learning to love, his prayer is, and it's okay to love yourself with that very same love. See, you don't have anything apart from Christ you have nothing, right? But when you said yes to him, he gave you everything. He took your nothing and he gave you everything. He took your crud and he gave you life abundant. And so in in that everything includes all the love you will ever need, all the faith you will ever need, all the joy you will ever need. It's already yours. So you cannot say I have a love deficit. That actually is not entirely true because it's there. What we are saying is I need to I need to get in connection with that love that, that's in me. I need to start believing who I really am. Made in the image of my creator who loves me. So this is what we're going to do for a moment. I would like you all, so you can see the picture now, but just for a minute, I would like you all, most of you in this room are, are visionary to this point, what I'm going to try to do with you. So if you wouldn't mind, close your eyes. And I want you to Go to the place where you most normally look at yourself in the mirror, in your home, or where, for most of you, it's going to be in your house. Wow. I want you, I'm going to ask right now, Lord, would you give us your eyes to see ourselves the way you see us? Would you give us, thank you for your love. Would you give us access to using that love to love ourselves with your love? And I want to encourage you out loud, as your eyes are closed, as you're looking at yourself in the mirror, would you say, I love myself with God's love? I want you to do that again. I love myself with God's love. Keep looking at yourself in the mirror. And I want you to say, I choose to love me as you love me. me me. So we're talking, we're just talking because Jesus lives in you. See, you're using his love. You're saying, you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I'm choosing to love myself as you love me, Jesus, because you're in me. So I choose to love me as you love me. Now here's I'm going to simplify it and this might be the hardest one of all for you to say. Look in the mirror, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love me. I love me. <laughs> See, you know what? I heard lots less voices that time. But cuz now we're getting down to the core. Oh, wait a minute. I have to love me. Yeah, I I love me. Yeah. And you know what? this It's okay to love yourself right where you are. When you look in a mirror and you see things about yourself that you wish were different, especially that's where we go after looks. We tend to see looks, things we don't like. It's okay for you to love yourself exactly the way you are because this is what's going to happen. As you start actually loving yourself, you will start taking care of yourself in different ways because you have a different motive now. Love is a very different motive of wanting to take care of the one you love is a very different motive from what is your problem, get over it, what, what's, you know, beating yourself up, what's your problem, you ever heard yourself say these things? See, but that's not loving, you're not, that's, those motivations will not last, love is the motivation that will last. Yeah, that's, oh, so that, that, clock's wrong. Okay. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up here. So, 1 Corinthians 13, um, that says love is patient, love is kind. Oh. <laughs> Are you patient with yourself? Are you kind with yourself? Kind to yourself? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh. Hmm. So, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to do this. I'm going to tell you that night and day, day and night, let incense arise comes from the book of Revelation. Chapter five, read it. It's phenomenal. It's a snapshot of heaven. Nobody was there to open the scrolls. Nobody could set us free from the doom of what was upon us. We were not free to be the sons and daughters. We were not free to be loved the way that we were supposed to be. Nobody was there. To give us that inheritance. And so John, who was in the vision, wept and wept and wept. Until someone in heaven says, don't weep. Look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is sacrificed. He is slain. He is the one that's going to open the scrolls. He is the one who's going to break it all wide open for you and purchase you for God. That's the next thing it says is he purchased people for God. You were purchased for the father at the cost of his blood. And and so, that's the value you have. That's how valuable you are to God. That's why you can love yourself. It, it all makes perfect sense. You are lovable. Would you say that? I am lovable. Okay, say it like you mean it. I am lovable. Su- Susan told me this a while back about about her dog. Her dog is one of those, you know, <laughs> you know, and and just knows he's lovable. And so, of course, everybody loves on him. There's major truth in that. The more you get how lovable you are, the more you will actually attract love. It's the way of the kingdom. So, um, wow, night just flew by. But I enjoyed it. I totally enjoyed being with you all. I really mean it. I enjoyed hearing all the different people. I enjoyed the worship. I enjoyed all of it. Even those of you who didn't talk, I saw your amazing smiling faces. Really, really. Um, <laughs> so I would like to ask if the prayer team would come up. Is there a prayer team available today, um, Clayton? Is there one around? Yeah, Perfect. Because here's the here's the deal. Um, come on up, prayer team. Because uh, sometimes we need help in taking the truth in deeper. So if you want, if you're like, I just need to get the love thing more. Would you would you help me? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'd be glad to do that. Prayer for healing. We we, we really do see healing all the time. Meaning physical healing, uh, emotional healing as well. We we all the time. God is on the move. He's doing amazing things. And so if you would like prayer for something like that, we would love to do that for you. Um, you You're the apple of God's eye. You're the apple of his eye. You're the one he always wanted. You make him incredibly happy. When he made you You were his dream fulfilled. That's the truth. So I I give you, more importantly, Jesus gives you permission to love yourself. Go on that journey with him. Ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Help me to get this because I need it. In order to love other people, I have to get this for me first. So I bless you on that journey in Jesus' name. Amen. and the